remember we looked at verse number 13 where Christ made the declaration to the disciples that they were the salt of the earth. And as we looked at the context of that statement, I tried to remind us or tried to show us that it seems as though what Christ was saying to the disciples was this, is that by their very presence, they were supposed to make the world a better place to be. And I think tonight the same would be true for you and I, that as believers, as disciples, as followers of Christ, it is our job and it is our responsibility to make this world a better place. It doesn't matter if we're talking about our homes. It doesn't matter if we're talking about our places of employment. It doesn't matter if we're talking about our churches. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. As a result of our presence, as a result of us being a part of whatever it is that's going on, things ought to be better because of us. And I think many times Christians lose sight of that. I think many times Christians think that, that they're able to be neutral or even if maybe they bring it down a little bit, that it's not that big a deal, it's not that uh, much of a problem, but we are supposed to make things better. And yet Christ also seemed to indicate that it's possible for Christians to not make a situation better, that we can be neutral and that we can actually make a situation worse with our presence. And he said if that were to happen then the Christian life really in the testimony is worthless. If the salt has lost its savor, then wherewith shall it be salted? I mean, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. So if I'm not making this world better, and if you're not making this world better, then really what is the purpose of our salvation? And what is the purpose of our testimony? And something else to be mindful of that Christ said was this, if the Christians don't make the world better, how's it going to be made better? Because the lost world is not really worried about making this world a better place, at least not in the areas that matter most from the spiritual perspective. So how are we salt? We are salt through obedience to the Word of God. That is how you and I are able to be salt. When we live in obedience to the Word of God, that just naturally makes the world a better place. All right, so that's what we talked about last week. Tonight we're going to look at verses 14, 15, and 16, a portion of Scripture that most of us are familiar with. But real quick, let me ask you something. Probably talked about this before, and probably the answers haven't changed, but how many of you have ever looked in the mirror and thought, perfection? <laughs> oh, Brother Daryl. If this message ever makes it to the radio, we will definitely edit that out. <laughs> Most of us, outside of Daryl, over the course of our lives at some point have looked at ourselves and thought, man, I wish this wasn't so. I'd love to change this. I wish that this were not the case for me. Over the years, I've, again, I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, and I apologize for the repetition, but it's just something that, that it, it comes to me on many occasions simply because of my height. People will say something like this, Man, I wish I had some of your height. And I have said repeatedly, if I could, I'd give you some. Why? Because six foot seven was wonderful in basketball. Six foot seven was wonderful in high school when you were taller than all your friends. But six foot seven at age 40 just didn't as cool as it once was. 
It just isn't. I mean, it, it, it gets old after a while being cramped in cars or being cramped in airplane seats or, or you go on a ride with your kids like at Disney World and, you know, you're like the scrunched up kid there, you know. And it, it's just, it, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable anymore. It's not neat. And, and the heavier you get at six foot seven, just, it's like that much more of me to spread around. And so there have been times I've thought, you know, I mean, if I could just shrink down to like six three, six four. You know, you might say, well, what difference does that make? A lot of difference. It really does. It makes a lot of difference. And so there have been times I thought, man, I would just love to just be a little bit shorter. I've thought that because I'm now clothing my kids who have some of my genetics. I mean, I've looked at Nathan a few times and I've just thought, quit. Just stop, you freak. But I wait. You look just like me, just a skinnier version of it. So I, I look at that, and, and I think sometimes, man, I, I wish that were not so for me. I look at Hannah, and as difficult as it is sometimes for Nathan to be tall, it's even more difficult for a woman to be tall. And, and so I look at Hannah sometimes, and I think, man, I, I wish I didn't have these genetics that, that you know, allowed for taller children. And, and I'm just mentioning one of several things over the years that I've thought I'd love to change. Have you ever thought that? You know, if I could just change this, I'd be happy. Oh, if I could just change this, it'd just be great. You know, if I could just pin these back, bring this down, you know, make this smaller, get rid of this, and straighten my teeth, and just be one, then I'd be okay. I've looked at guys before that have those real chiseled jaw lines, you know. And just, I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. I always look like I have marshmallows in my mouth. That's what I look like. At least when I see pictures of myself, that's what I think. But you know what? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's not how God designed me. That's not how God created me. And so you may look at some part of your life, you may look at some part of your physique, some part of your appearance, and you'd say something like this, man, I'd change this if I could, or I'd change this if I could, or, or I don't like this, but... At the end of the day, that is who we are. And that is how God designed us, and that is how God created us. Now, I want to take that principle tonight, and I, I want to look at it from another perspective. And, and if I have mentioned this before, I don't know when I have, but I apologize if this is repetitive as well. But I've said to Susie, and please hear what I'm about to say, okay? I, I want to throw in a couple of disclaimers real quick. I love, I love, I love pastoring. I do. The only thing that I'd change about the ministry right now is not my location, not anything other than I just wish we had more people here. Okay? That's the only thing that I'd change about ministry. I absolutely love ministry. However, that being said, there are times that I've shared with Susie and I've shared with others on different occasions. I would like sometimes to just be Kyle. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't really matter if you're a pastor of a large church or a smaller church like ours. I mean, a pastor still lives in a glass house. Amen. And you say, oh, it's not that bad. Come walk a mile in my moccasins. It's amazing how mindful you have to be of things sometimes just because you're the pastor of a church. And I think sometimes in a smaller community, it's magnified that much more because so many more people know that you are the pastor of a church. 
And so there have been times I've said to Susie, you know, I, I would like to just be Kyle. And I'd like for you to just be Susie. And I'd like for our kids to just be kids. And, and, and there are times that I get away from Pampa and we get to spend time with friends and, 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 and you know, friends. I don't know what else you'd call them, friends, sometimes family members. And to them, we're not special. We're not different. We're not unique. It's just, hey, Kyle, hey, Susie. And, and, there's, and I don't mean this wrong. There's, there's no respect for me. And I like that. Because they just give me a hard time and I can give them a hard time. And it's not that, I, I, I've said this before, it's not that I want to smoke cigars, play poker, and cuss. That's not what I want to do with my life, okay? Get this, understand this, okay? But sometimes it'd just be neat if I was just a normal guy and I didn't have to worry about, quote, unquote, always wearing the pastor hat. But at the end of the day, what did God call me to be? A pastor. So it doesn't really matter what I'd like sometimes. At the end of the day, God called me to be a pastor. He called Susie to be a pastor's wife. And as a result of allowing them to be born into our family, then the kids get to be a part of this ministry that, that uh, Susie and I are engaged in. And at the end of the day, kind of like my physical appearance and that which I might change if I could, but I can't, at the end of the day, if I'm going to live in obedience to God's will for my life, then as much as I'd like to remove myself sometimes from that atmosphere I can't because that's not what God called me to be now this evening I promise you this message is not about me and it's not about that I'm just trying to show us a principle here that I think all of us have struggled with at different times and so tonight look in verse number 14 verse number 14 again a very familiar portion of scripture just, just follow along with this and don't get hung up with anything I've said so far in verse number 14, he says, Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. Now, he's talking to disciples, and he says, You are the light of the world. So if you think about this with any measure of common sense whatsoever, then it seems as though it would be reasonable to assume that what Christ then is also implying is, this world is kind of a dark place in which to live. I mean, why else would light be needed if there wasn't darkness? All right, so if Christ were to say to the disciples, you are the light of the world, then he is implying that the world is a dark place to live. And, and I would suggest to you this evening that it's not just the metropolitan busy areas and the busy regions of our country that are dark. I would suggest to you even this evening that Pampa, Texas is a dark place to live in and of itself. The sin that is present in Pampa, Texas is amazing. The sin that is present in Pampa, Texas is overwhelming. The sin that is present in Pampa, Texas, it is, it is literally astounding sometimes that what you hear takes place in Pampa so many times is no different than anything that is taking place, any pl taking place, it is no different, we'll have to cut this out too, it is no different than anything else taking place in any other part of the world. That was not that hard. I just made it that hard. Okay. We have immorality. We have drugs. We have domestic violence. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on of all the sins that are present right here in our own little 
community. So, so Pampa is dark. Without question, Pampa is dark. And he says to the disciples, you're the light of the world. He didn't ask them if they wanted to be. He did not say, guys, what do you think? You want to be light? He just said, you are the light of the world. Just like he said in verse number 13, ye are the salt of the earth. He's not throwing us out there for consideration. He's not throwing us out there to get their opinions on the matter. He is saying this, because you are my disciples, because you are followers of me, then you are the light of the world. Now notice what he said next in verse number 14. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Well, is that true? It is in a dark world. You know this as well as I do. You can get out on the middle of I-40 between towns, and it can be pretty dark at times. You can get on different stretches of highway, whatever it may be, and, and, and it can be pretty dark, and it can be pretty desolate at times, and it can be a little bit, uh, just, I don't know, a little bit weird feeling at times. But as you're driving into different towns and communities and cities, what always messes up the darkness? The light. And it cannot be hid. It cannot be concealed. Why? Because light always reveals itself when there is darkness. So he says in verse number 14, Disciples, you're the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now what is he saying to the disciples? He is saying this, that disciples, because of the dark world that you and I live in, he is saying by the very fact, or by the simple fact, that you are light, your testimony of light cannot be hid. If you're really a disciple. Is that true? It absolutely is true. Well, how do you know? How many of you all work with lost people? If you work with lost people and you're light, do you think there's a noticeable difference between you and them? I mean, think about this. There's probably a difference in conversation between you and them. There's probably a difference in the way you express yourself in, say, frustration in the way that they would express themselves in the midst of frustration. There's probably a difference in the weekend's activity between your life and their life. I mean, if you truly work with people who are contributing to the darkness of this world, if you and I are truly disciples of Christ, then the light that we have then it, it reveals itself, not even necessarily with you preaching a sermon at work. You're just different by nature, and the light that you give reveals the darkness of the world that you're a part of. If, if you have lost people in your family, would you suspect that your lifestyle is different than theirs? Well, obviously it would be. 
I mean, again, if, if you've got lost people in your family, they probably communicate different than you. They probably do things that are different than what you would do. And again, their weekend activities would be a little bit different than yours. And, and I'm not saying they're bad people, but what I'm saying is this. Based upon a disciple's manner of life, it is naturally going to stand out, and it will naturally be different than what the world does. And you can't hide it if you're a true disciple. And on and on and on the illustrations could go. If you serve in the community in different capacities, the fact that you are a Christian is going to manifest itself if you live in obedience to the Word of God. All right, so we understand that we are the light of the world, Christ says to the disciples, and obviously would say to us, then he says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So if I'm living the Christian life the way that I'm supposed to, if you're living the Christian life the way that it's supposed to, then really when we are in the midst of a dark world, an unsaved and an ungodly world, it ought to be pretty obvious. It ought to be pretty fairly obvious. You're different than the average person. But notice what he says in verse number 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now, we know what Christ is saying, if we're familiar with this portion of Scripture at all. We know that Christ is saying to the disciples back in the days in which they lived that no one lit a candle for the purpose of covering it and not letting anybody receive the benefit of the light. They didn't just flip on the switch in this part of the house and keep it from going into the rest of the house so as not to disturb it. If, if the house was dark, if the path was dark, if the place of work was dark, they would light the candle not for the purpose of then trying to hide it and then try to conceal it. They would put it on a candlestick so that it would give light unto all that are in the house. Now tonight I want to ask you something, and you've got to be honest if I'm going to answer the question, at least between you and God, maybe not with you and me. But I want to ask you something. How many of us would claim to be a disciple of Christ, which would then mean we are the light of the world? It should not be hid to this world that we live in. But how many of us tonight would have to be honest and say, there have been times in our lives where the light of my salvation and the light of my discipleship and the light of my followership has been covered and has not been made available to everyone. That's happened. Has it not? I mean, I'd look back over the course of my life and have to admit... I wasn't light there. Over in this situation, I wasn't light. Maybe in this particular situation, I wasn't light. Maybe over here, I wasn't the light that I should have been. Over here, I, I, was, I, I was not as bold as I should have been or could have been. I didn't take advantage of the opportunity over here the way that I could have or the way that I should have. Now, now, if you have ever been in a position where you'd have to be honest and say, you know what, I took the light that I'm supposed to be and I hid it under a bushel and I didn't put it on the candlestick for everyone to take advantage of, then the question is this, why? Why? 
See, by nature, I'm light. By nature, you are light as a disciple of Christ. So the question then is this. If I am light, and my light is supposed to shine in darkness and be obvious and be something that cannot be hid, if that is what I'm supposed to be and I wasn't, then why wasn't I? There are a lot of different reasons, but you know what it eventually, ultimately boils down to? I didn't want to be. I mean, think about this. If I'm light, not if I want to be light. It's not if I want to be light, I'm light. It's not whether or not you want to be light, you are light. The question is, what are we doing with the light? Okay, so if I am light and I am supposed to be obvious to a dark world around me and, and, and there are moments in which I could have been light but I chose to, to reveal or to conceal my light and not be the light to the dark world that I'm supposed to be, then, then why wasn't I? Because I didn't want to be. Have you ever gotten tired of being the Holy Joe at work? (laughs) Do you ever get tired of being the one who's always the voice of negativity at the family event? Do you ever get tired of being the the voice of integrity or morality or honesty in the midst of an environment where you think that ought to be common sense? Now, Now follow this, please. There have been moments in my life where I have essentially said this. I don't want to be light. I'm tired of being the light. Because I am sick of everything that goes with being the light. Doesn't that sound self-righteous? No, it's just a statement of fact, is it not? No more for me than it would be for you. I get sick and tired of the comments. I get sick and tired of the rolling of the eyes. I get sick and tired of the little things that are done because, Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, what's he going to say, huh? And so there are times in my life, and maybe you've never experienced this, but there have just been moments in my life where I've thought, I don't even want to be liked. If you want to live that way, live that way. If you want to act that way, act that way. If that's how you want to run your life, run your life. I don't care. I don't want to be light sometimes, just to be very honest. But I don't want to be six foot seven sometimes. But guess what? I am. And sometimes I don't want to always be known as, oh, there's the pastor, but I am. And so what it really boils down to in my Christian life is this. I don't always want to be light. Who cares? 
Christ never asked me if I wanted to be light. He said, you're a disciple. You're a follower of me. You are someone who is supposed to be different in this world. So here's just the simple truth for you, Kyle. You're light. Deal with it. Even if you don't want to be light, even if you're tired of being the only voice of negativity, only, even if you're the only one who steps up and says something when everyone else is going with it, even if people continue to make the little snide remarks and roll their eyes and say the hateful things, it doesn't matter what you want. At the end of the day, because of your salvation, you're light. Do you know that tomorrow when you start a new day, you're light? Well, I don't want to be light in this situation. God didn't ask you. I just want to fit in tomorrow. I'm so sick of it. I just want to fit in tomorrow. That, that was never an option that you could check. Well, you know, when we get together with family in a couple of weeks with, with Thanksgiving, you know, I just, man, I just want it to be good. I just want it to not be confrontational. I don't want there to be anything weird that goes on. Hey, listen, I'm not saying you've got to barge into whatever room you're a part of and start being light. But what I am saying is, if situations arise and light is needed, you don't have the option to sit back and not be light. You can't change who you are just because you don't like it. So you are light as much as I am light, as much as these disciples would have been light. Every one of us are light, which means... Be light. Be light even when they don't like you. Be light even when they make the comments. Be light even when you know you're just going to irritate them again. Just be light. Why? Because that is what you are whether you like it or not. Well, how do we know we're supposed to just be light? Well, notice what he said in verse number 16. It's kind of a, a statement of encouragement from what I can tell. He says, let your light so shine before men. Amen. Disciples, you are light. You cannot be hid. You're not going to, you are not saved for the purpose of putting it under a, a bushel. No, to put it on a candlestick. So go out and let your light shine before men. Why? So that they may see your good works. Whether the world realizes, realizes it or not, which most of them don't, unfortunately, they need us being light, and they need to see us being light. Why do they need to see our good works? Well, for one reason, to show a contrast between our life and their life. See, if you go to work tomorrow, if you go to the family functions, if you go to the community events, whatever it is that, that life would take you to, if you go to those events and you say, okay, I'm not going to be light today. I'm not going to be light tonight. I'm not going to be light in the situation. I'm just, I'm just going to make sure that nobody knows I'm a Christian. Listen, please. Then the world never gets to see a distinction between you and them. They never get to see your good works. Now, it's not about, as Christ makes clear, it's not about them getting to see your good works so that they can say, oh, aren't you so good and oh, aren't you so wonderful. He says in verse number 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
What does it mean to glorify? It means to give praise to something. Let your light so shine before men that they may see or behold your good works and glorify or give praise to your Father which is in heaven. Now I know, according to what we looked at in verse number 10 where he said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. I understand that there are many times that the world does not like it when the people do right because it reveals their unrighteousness. Okay, I understand the flow of this. I understand the context of this. I understand the world that we live in, and not everybody's going, Oh, you're light. I love you for being light. I understand that that's not how it works. Many people see the righteousness of the, of the righteous, and, and they despise them for it, and they hate them for it, and that's why they persecute and lie about them and say all manner of evil against them. I get it, but there are times in which our righteousness and being light actually then brings glory to our Father, which is in heaven. Why? Because some people are actually attracted to the light that we're giving off because of the distinction that it draws between their life and our life. I don't know how often it happens. I don't know to whom it always happens. But I do know this, that there are times that the ungodly will say something like this. How is it that you and your family are able to do this? How is it that you are able to to have joy in a situation like this? How is it that you're able to, to maintain a calm? How is it that you're able to, to, you know, to do this? I mean, how is it that, that in a world like this, you and your wife have been married so long? How is it that, that you have such well-behaved kids? How is it that your kids have never done this? Or, or how is it... Questions come up. And that's not when we stand up, well, let me tell you about myself. I'd like to just bring glory to myself for just a moment. I'm telling you what, a, a few years ago I got tired of all that and I decided to turn a new leaf and, and to be a better person, to be a better man. And I read some good books and that, that's not what it's about. Why am I light and why are you light? Why are we supposed to go out and be light in this dark world? So that when the distinction between our life and their life were to come up into conversation and they were to say something like, how come or how so or, or how are you able? We can say, let me tell you about my father, which is in heaven. I'm not able to be this kind of person because I'm better than anyone else or I'm smarter than anyone else or, or, or whatever it may be. It's because of the work of the Lord in my life. You realize we're able to give the glory to our Father whenever we live in such a way that it would actually provoke comment or, or question from someone? And, and again, I, I know you know this. The verbal testimony of a believer is so important. Would you agree the verbal testimony of a believer is, is important? but as important as a verbal testimony of light is. It is never as important 
as the testimony of a life living the light before them. I know you understand this, but I, I just want to say it again. There are a lot of loud-mouthed people who are very vocal about their faith. They're very vocal about their salvation. They're very vocal about their godly manner of life. The only problem is you just got to watch them a little bit to realize it's an empty testimony. I mean, all you've got to do is just watch them a little bit and realize they, their family really isn't that exceptional. Their marriage really isn't that different. Their, their reaction to stress and circumstances of life really isn't any different than theirs. And so they've got a wonderful verbal testimony, but truth be told, their actions are empty. Me being light tonight does not consist of me going someplace to eat this evening and confronting the person about their eternal condition and their soul and where will you spend eternity tonight, brother? You're not even a brother yet, mister. Now, when God opens opportunities and God opens doors and allows me to say something to someone about their soul, is that necessary and important? Of course it is. But unless the Lord opens those doors and unless the Lord gives opportunity, what do I need to do? I just need to live the Christian life. Why? So that I might be light. Why? So that the world can see a difference between me and them. Why? So that when anything might be said, when the world should see and behold my good works, that I could give the glory and the honor to the Lord. Now, I, I know that I'm a, a sinful man. I get it. I understand it. I am, I am a fleshly person. I'm no different than anyone else. And you may sit here this evening and say, I cannot believe that you would admit that sometimes you don't want to be light. Sorry. I've already admitted it. I can't take it back. Why? Because I struggle with it. Because sometimes I just want to say, I don't care. If you don't care, why should I care? But I don't have that right. And some of you this evening, again, knowing the context of the service and the fact that you're back out on a Sunday night on a cold, snowy day, you may sit here and say, Brother Kyle, Pastor, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Some of you may get tired of trying to be light. Some of you may think that whenever you walk into work and you clock in, you don't have to be light anymore. No, you've got to be light. You got to be. Well, whenever I get home, I just kind of let my hair down and I just kind of, you know, no, you're light at the house. Well, you know, family, they just kind of accept me for, for you know, just being one of them. And I don't have to be light. No, you are light. You are the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And if we're not light, then the world continues to live in darkness. You're light, whether you like it or not, just like you're salt, whether you like it or not. And I think the implication would be the same for light as it is for salt. If I am putting my light under a bushel, then what good is my salvation? I mean, think about this. If, if I'm not putting it out there on the candlestick to be a benefit and a blessing and a help to others, then what good is it to anyone? 
And so if you've kind of been of this mindset of, well, you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going to stand out and I'm not going to be light and I'm not going to ruffle any feathers or, or, or cause any waves, I'm, I'm not going to do anything like that, and, and I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to be silent and, and not be light, then why are you even saved? You don't have to be loud, you don't have to be vocal, but you do have to live it at all times whether you want to or not. And then when God gives opportunity, you can say, you know why? Because X number of years, God changed my life. Hey, do I still make mistakes? Oh, man, just ask my wife. Do I still make mistakes? Oh, man, just ask my husband. Do I still make mistakes? Oh, man, ask my kids. Yeah, I still make mistakes, but by the grace of God and by the glory of God, he has brought me to this point, and He can do the same for you as He's done for me. But if I'm not light, that'll never happen for anyone else. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I do pray that You'd help us this evening to recognize that us being light really isn't an option. As disciples, as followers of you, we are light. 